It's March 23rd, 2022, and this is your Ukraine Daily Brief from the DSR Network. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. I wanted to take a second before we jump into the news to remind you that Chris and I draw heavily from the best news outlets from around the world. If you want to see our sources, check out the show notes and our website for a full listing of all the stories we have discussed. Our top story today, Ukraine continued a counteroffensive, capturing towns on the outskirts of Kyiv and attempting to recapture the Kyrgyzstan region. In response to the counteroffensive, Russia has removed their military helicopters that were stationed in Kyrgyzstan to prevent further losses. A senior Defense Department official to the New York Times that Russian forces were struggling on many fronts, including routine supply lines and logistics, and that the Pentagon had even seen indications that some Russian troops had been evacuated because of frostbite. Additionally, a Pentagon assessment concluded that Russia's combat power in Ukraine had for the first time dipped below 90% of its original force. Oleg Nikolenko, a spokesperson for Ukraine's foreign ministry, said yesterday that about 300,000 people in the Russian-occupied southern city of Kyrgyzstan were running out of food and medical supplies. Kyrgyzstan has seen a number of protests since the Russians took over, and on Monday the protesters were dispersed using stun grenades and gunfire. In a tweet yesterday, the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv said, According to the Ukrainian Foreign Ministry, Russian forces have illegally removed 2,389 Ukrainian children from Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts to Russia. This is not assistance. It's kidnapping. The United States has clear evidence that Russian forces have deliberately and intentionally targeted civilian infrastructure, hospitals, and places of shelter, a senior U.S. defense official told CNN on Tuesday. Such acts would constitute a war crime, and on the latest Deep State Radio podcast, David Rothkopf, Rosa Brooks, Ryan Goodman, and Rebecca Hamilton do a deep dive into the issue of war crimes in Ukraine. Listen to the show to go deeper on the issue. In an interview with CNN on Tuesday, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said that Russia's security policy dictates that the country would only use nuclear weapons if its very existence was threatened. He went on to say their doctrine did not mention other reasons to use nuclear weapons. Deputy Prime Minister Irina Verishchuk said that agreement had been reached to try to evacuate civilians trapped in Ukrainian towns and cities through nine humanitarian corridors today, but she signaled that no agreement had been reached with Russia to establish a safe corridor from the heart of Mariupol. In a report by CNN, there are indications that Belarus may soon join the war in Ukraine. Up until this point, they have served as a launching pad for Russian forces in the region, but have not directly engaged themselves. A NATO military officer told CNN that, It is not about what Alexander Lukashenko wants. The question is, does Putin want another unstable country in the region? Because involvement would destabilize Belarus. President Biden leaves for Europe today for emergency summits that will focus on displays of cooperation in punishing Russia and providing support to Ukraine. President Biden is also planning a stop in Poland to highlight the massive refugee crisis as well as to reassure allies on NATO's eastern edge. The White House has ruled out Biden visiting Ukraine itself after leaders there said it would make for a powerful symbol amid the war. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin and French President Emmanuel Macron have continued talks the French government has confirmed. In a statement from the Elysee Palace said that the pair spoke by phone on Tuesday to continue Macron's previous conversations with Putin regarding a ceasefire and ongoing safety concerns. It added that Macron stands alongside Ukraine. Victoria Nuland, the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, met India's Foreign Secretary Harsh Shringla as part of a U.S. delegation visit to India, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka, three countries that abstained from a United Nations resolution condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Ms. Nuland made it clear in an interview with the Indian channel NDTV that U.S. officials were hoping India would revise its stance as a member of the Quad, a four-country alliance that also includes Japan and Australia. We understand India's historic ties with Russia, but times have changed now, she said. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Igor Morgulov met with North Korea's ambassador to Russia and discussed developing bilateral relations in the context of changes happening on the international arena, the Russian Foreign Ministry said on Tuesday. North Korea last month blamed the Ukrainian crisis on the hegemonic policy and high-handedness of the United States and the West. Biden is expected to unveil new sanctions on members of the Duma, Russia's lower legislative body. The U.S. had already sanctioned some members of the body, but this week's announcement will expand the list. Even with the Netherlands freezing nearly 392 million euros in Russian assets, the European Union is struggling to agree on its next steps in sanctioning Russia over its war in Ukraine. EU leaders will meet later this week to discuss what should be targeted next and what should trigger new sanctions. Some countries, such as Germany, are signaling support for a pause to review the effect of the sanctions imposed so far and close loopholes. But others, such as Poland and the Baltic states, are warning against a loss of momentum that could be seen by Moscow as a sign that pressure from the EU is easing. We've really never seen coordinated sanctions at this scale against such a large economic target. So this is an interesting test as to how far we can push the economic power tool. But as I wrote a few weeks ago, focusing on just sanctions is limiting what the U.S. and West more broadly can be doing to pressure Russia. I hope during the meetings this week, Western leaders can talk about aid packages for countries impacted by Russian sanctions, winning the information war, and brain-draining Russia by welcoming dissidents. The United Nations reports that more than 3.5 million people have fled Ukraine to neighboring countries, and Europe is struggling to provide them with care, schools, and jobs, even as the numbers at the borders are easing up. Poland has taken in more than 2.1 million people, and while some plan to head elsewhere, the influx has left public services struggling to cope. The head of the UN Refugee Agency, Filippo Grandi, said on Sunday the war had uprooted 10 million people, most of them still displaced within Ukraine rather than abroad. To address the issue, the European Commission will detail a series of actions to ensure access to education, jobs, healthcare, and housing, with a particular focus on children. The European Union has granted temporary protection to people arriving from Ukraine including rights to residency, access to the labor market, social welfare, and medical care. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show.
If you have a tip or topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at udb at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the Ukraine Daily Brief. So go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, tune in today to Deep State Radio to hear yesterday's deep dive on war crimes and a conversation later today with intelligence expert Amy Ziegart about the way the U.S. has used intelligence sharing to its maximum effect during the war. Stay safe and stay tuned to the Ukraine Daily Brief from the Deep State Radio Network. <laughs>